take your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 31. And it'd be easy to preach a sermon today on the COVID-19 virus, and, but that's not what the Lord wants. I, I'm going to talk today to you men, and I'm going to try to teach and train you men and the importance that you have in God's church. You know, he treats his church as an army, and because we are an army. Uh, and, uh, and I'm going to introduce you to a person named Bezaliel today. Do you, who knows who Bezaliel is? Most people don't know. And let me give you a little background for some of you that's not as uh, studied up in the Bible as many others are because simply because you haven't had enough time to learn uh, the scriptures but uh, at this point in Exodus we find that uh, the nation of Israel uh, went to Egypt because of the severe uh, famine that was in the land. Jacob took his sons and and their families and went to Egypt and uh, there they sojourned in Egypt for 430 years. 30 years are good times, and then after 30 years, a, uh, a Pharaoh was raised that didn't know Joseph, and, and, uh, and they put the Jewish people under um, as slaves, and they, they served Egypt for 40 years and served taskmasters. And, uh, and then God raised Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, and of course, we know the story. Uh, uh, they had ten plagues uh, brought upon the Egyptians. Nine of them destroyed uh, the nine gods that the Egyptians worshipped. And if you study those plagues and go back and study the Egyptian gods at that time, you see that each plague was designed to destroy the Egyptian god that the Egyptians worshipped. And uh, and then he led the Israelites out of uh, uh, Egypt, and they parted the Red Sea, and they crossed the Red Sea and went into the wilderness. And uh, there they uh, sold in, in the wilderness for 40 years because of their unbelief. God left them in Egypt for 40 years. And uh, while they was in the wilderness there, uh, when they, the Lord met with Moses on the mount and uh, and gave him instructions. And this was when they, uh, when they first crossed the Red Sea. And, and he gave him instructions as to what to do. And he told him Moses to build a tabernacle. And uh, he said, build it exactly how I tell you to build it. It's after a pattern in heaven, as we read in the book of Hebrews. But God does things. He tells us exactly how he wants it to be done. Uh, we do not make our own decisions when it comes to God. Uh, he tells us exactly how to operate our church. And we are to do it exactly the way he tells us to. And, uh, and so he'll bless that. If we do not, then he'll curse it. And uh, so we come up here to, after God gave Moses instructions how to build this tabernacle, and that tabernacle was designed so God could meet with his people. 
And, uh, and then he gave Moses Bezaliel, Bezaliel to build the, the temple, do the actual construction of it. He was a construction worker. We pick it up here then in, in um, Exodus chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And the, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God and wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship, to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass, and in cutting of stones, to set them and in carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given with him a lowliab, the son of Ahash Zamach, of the tribe of Dan, in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded thee, the tabernacle of the congregation, and the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is thereupon, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, and the tables and his furniture, and the pure uh, candlestick with all his furniture, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offerings with all his furniture, and the laver and his foot, and the cloths of service, and the holy garments of, of Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons, and to minister in the priest's office, and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded thee, shall they do. And I want you to notice that last phrase, all that I have commanded thee, Shall they do? Father, be with me as I teach this now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, if you look at the people that the Lord has put in the Bible, and he put them in there for a purpose and for a reason. It's, uh, you can learn a lot if you look just at the people and study the people and what their job was. Bezaleel was an amazing man, no doubt. He was not a preacher, and he was not a prophet. He was a craftsman. He was what we call today a layman. He was you. He says in verse number six, in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom. Bezaleel was given to Moses by God to make all that I have commanded thee. Without Bezaleel, the work of the Lord would have been hindered. Moses would not have accomplished all that he did for the Lord. And so we ask this question, what has the Lord put in us for his work? If we make a comparison here, and I'll make this comparison because we can. You are Bezaleel. This church cannot accomplish what God wants this church to accomplish without you. 
But you'll find, as the Bible teaches, that your family is a church within a church. This church, Central Baptist Church, is an Israel within an Israel. We operate the way the nation of Israel operated. Your family will operate or should operate the way this church operates. So the importance of you as a father is without you, your family will not be able to accomplish what God wants your family to accomplish. Without you being a Bezaliel to your family, your family will not be ministered to properly. So we see the importance of a pastor upon a congregation is no more important than maybe even less important than a father and his ministration of God's things to his family. If the fathers are strong in this area, the families will be strong in this area. And then the church will be strong in this area. And strong churches make strong cities. And strong cities make strong states. And strong states make strong, makes a strong nation. So the weakness of our nation really doesn't start at the top. It starts with the fathers. Our nation was designed to operate that way. It was designed to operate exactly the way Moses set up the organization in the Old Testament, which is, by the way, the exact same way Thomas Jefferson and our forefathers set up our Constitution. The power goes to the father. And then there's a head put over ten fathers. And then there's a head put over fifty and then ahead over a hundred and head over a thousand up to the president. And that's the way the United States of America was set to operate. The president of the United States should have no more power or even less power over your family than you do. You should have the most power over your family. Satan wants to flip that. Satan wants to be able to tell the the government to tell you how to run your family because it's a lot easier for Satan to bring one satanic person into power than to attack a whole field of strong spiritual led fathers. So Bezaliel is just put in the Bible so that you as a father can see your importance. The tabernacle wouldn't have gotten built without Bezaliel. Moses couldn't have accomplished what he accomplished without a Bezaliel. You know, there's leaders and there's followers. And there's leaders of leaders. And there's leaders of followers. But then there's followers of followers. 
we don't want to be a follower of followers. We really want to be leaders. And that's where we want to be in the society that we live in. We want to be the leaders. God says, I'll make you the head, not the tail. If you can become like a Bezaliel. And I'm not talking in physical things. I'm talking in the spiritual things, the things that are important in the world, the laws that are made. He says, I will make you the head, not the tail. If the fathers will understand this Bezaliel and the importance of this Bezaliel and the importance of your role in the family, then you will be able to turn that to the importance of your role in the church. Bezaliel. May the Lord give us some Bezaliels today that will use what the Lord has put in them to advance the cause of Christ. And God's still looking for some men to stand in the gap. He tells us that. Looking for men to stand in the gap. When he says stand in the gap, you have to understand how the, the, the farming methods and the family messes of the, the Old Testament time was in the Israel. They, they would go out and their land was very stony and had a lot of thorns and thistles in, in it. And they'd cut the trees down, the thorns and the thistles, and take the rocks and they'd make a hedge all the way around their property. And they'd leave a gap so you could go in and out. The hedge kept the world from getting into your family, but it always kept took someone, which is the father, to stand in the gap. Uh, I think of Rizpah. I like to preach about Rizpah on the Mother's Day. If you recall, Rizpah was the mother who, when her sons were, two sons were sacrificed because of King Saul's, when he broke the pledge, the oath that Israel, that Joshua made with the Gibeonites. King Saul broke that pledge and because of it when King David was in control, God brought a plague upon Israel because of what King Saul, when he broke that pledge. You've got to understand the judgment of God. You might understand this COVID-19 virus a little better. David then gave two of Rizpah's sons and five of Micah, his wife's sons, but actually they weren't his sons by, they were his sons by marriage. They didn't belong to him, they belonged to Micah's first husband. Actually, her second husband, David, was her first husband. And you have to go back and read that story. But they killed Rizpah's two sons, and, and they hung them on, a rock, on the rock, the great rock in Gibeon. And for six months, she went there and she beat the vultures off of their, her son's body as they are rotting, hanging there. For six months, she protected her son's bodies until 
David came and took them and buried them. Someone to stand in the gap, protect their families. Need some things we need to know about Bezaliel. Who was he? He was a slave in Egypt. Are you not a slave in the United States of America? Sure you are. Try not going to work and see what happens. It was in Egypt that he learned his craftsmanship. He learned to be a craftsman. He's the only Bezaliel mentioned in the Bible. He is one of a kind. Which tells me we are all just one of a kind. God can use anyone. He can use you. When did he live? He lived in Egypt when it was at its zenith. When it was at its top, when it was most prosperous. When do you live in the United States of America? When it's at its top. No one has ever lived as lusciously as we have lived. Don't try to say that that's the lie, because that's not. Look at the clothes you wear. Look at the house you live in. Compare it to the clothes in the houses a hundred years ago. Look at your transportation. I read Harry Ironside's commentary in the book of Revelation. And in it, he got into the book of Daniel. And in the last book of Daniel, it says, in the end of times, people shall travel to and fro and knowledge shall increase. And he said in his commentary, and he wrote this in right around circa 1900, 1910, he said, look at how we're traveling today. He says, we can get on a train in New York City, and in four days, we can be in San Francisco. You know, I laughed at that. Because we can get on an airplane in New York City, and in how many hours be in San Francisco. But he was only comparing what he knew at that time. We say four hours we can be in San Francisco. A hundred years from now they might laugh at that. If the Lord tarries his coming. But we're at the height of the power of the United States of America. I mean we live in houses that are air-conditioned and heated. We live in beds more comfortable than the kings of the world. Our communication is, is unheard of in the history of the world. That's when Bezaleel lived, at the height of Egypt, just like you, just like me. 
The third question I ask you is, did he face any challenges or difficulties in his life? Well, he was a slave in Egypt. And the Egyptian taskmasters were very cruel. Read the first two chapters of of the Exodus. He also witnessed something that you may witness. He witnessed the collapse of a world power, Egypt. Been watching that stock market. Brother Ryan heightened my interest in it. Been watching it. I know what the Bible says and what's going to happen at the end of time. And and as I'm watching, we might be seeing the collapse of the United States of America financially. If it happens, you really need to be a Bezalio for your family. You need to understand and read Deuteronomy chapter 31 that you may go into a new land that you never went that way before. And you better be prepared for it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not trying to scare you. But I'm trying to say, read the scripture. Look at what the scripture has to say. Look at what's going on in the world. And just be wise. Now, we read a verse in chapter 6 here. I mean, in chapter, or verse number 6, that God will put wisdom in the wise-hearted. So if, you have a, if you're wise-hearted towards God... The Bible says God is wise. A lost person is a fool. A person who says there is no God is a fool. Oh, they'll call you a fool for believing in God. But God calls them a fool for living like there is no God. And he'll put wisdom in the wise-hearted. But he will not put wisdom in the foolish-hearted. Bezalio. He saw firsthand what happens to a nation that forgets God. Who influenced his life? Well, we know he was influenced by the craftsmen in Egypt, and we know he was influenced by Moses. Without Moses, Bezaliel would have lived and died and no one would even know his name. Moses made it possible for Bezaliel to use all that he had learned in Egypt for the Lord's work. What impact did Bezaliel make upon life? Well, he built the tabernacle in the wilderness. He personally trained men and women in the work of the Lord. Bezaliel's life made it possible for the Lord to continue his plan for the ages. His work made it possible for me 
to look at the workings of the tabernacle and make a true comparison and see the Lord Jesus Christ just in the works of the tabernacle. And I've t- I have taught that in the past and will probably teach it again in the future because many here have not been under that teaching to, to how the tabernacle plan works exactly the way the Lord Jesus Christ works. The testimony of Bezaliel that God gives. He does give a testimony about Bezaliel. He says it all. It's in Exodus chapter 38 and verse 22. I'll just read it to you. And Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made all that the Lord commanded Moses. What a testimony. Bezaliel did my work exactly the way I told him to do it. You have that opportunity to have that testimony before God. That you raised your family exactly the way God told you to raise your family. You got two kingdoms the Bible talks of. The kingdom of the Antichrist and the kingdom of God. They both want you for your service. The kingdom of God says, I have called Belaziel. God has called you. To do his work exactly as he has told you to do his work in his holy word. Not what you think in your heart. If I did what we, I thought was in my heart, I promise you we would have had church as normal today and we would have bucked the system. But the Lord wanted me to teach you men. Give you the opportunity to understand your prominence in your families and then your prominence in this church. And if this church is going to prosper and do what God wants us to do, then the Belaziels must do what God wants them to do in their families, in the head of their families. God knows what's going on in our lives. Exodus 3, 7, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. He's heard your cries. He knows what your heart's saying. He knows our heartaches. He sees and hears our sorrows. We may not see him, but he always sees us. We may not be able to see this virus, except possibly under a microscope, which I do not have one powerful enough to see it, nor do I want to see it. 
but God can see it without the microscope. He knows every virus floating around in this room today. He knows how to kill it. He knows how to keep you from contacting it. That's why I tell people, read Psalms 91, and pay attention to the first verse more than anything else. Because not everyone can claim Psalms 91. Not every Christian can claim Psalms 91. Pay special attention to the first verse, then read the rest of it. There's two kingdoms. See, I've called by name Zaliel. And then in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, Jesus told Peter, Satan hath desired to have you. So here you are, Bezaliel's. Here you are, fathers. Here you are, saved and the sons of God. And there's two kingdoms that want you. God's called you to do something for him. But Satan wants to sift you. To keep you from doing his work. Now I'm going to tell you what that means. And then Bible times. They would take the wheat. And the tares would grow among the wheats. And the tares were sown by Satan. And the wheat were the good seed. And they'd let them grow together. Because when an infant wheat and a tear, you can't tell the difference between the two with the eye. And if you tried to go through and pull the tears out, you'd pull out the wheat also because you can't tell the difference. Jesus said, let them grow together. Then in the harvest, <clears throat> you thresh, you you bundle them bring them in the threshing floor, you take the threshing sledge and you beat them. And you beat them down into a little tiny uh, or, or to they're small enough that when they take the whittling fork and they throw them up into the air and the whittling fan or the wind blowing and it will blow the shaft and all the light stuff away, the seeds will fall to the ground. And they do that until all the shaft is taken away. That's why that threshing sledge is the preaching of the pastor. A person who is a tear cannot stand under the hard preaching of a pastor very long. The Holy Spirit blows them out of the church. And then they take that wheat that's fallen on the ground and they sift it. <clears throat> because you see there's a lot of little pebbles and a lot of dirt that won't blow away too and, it, and so they take the the, the shifting, sifting shovel and they put it in the sifting screen and they put it in a little bit of an angle like this and they start shaking it and the, all the uh, uh, seeds the good seeds will work its way to the bottom of that sifting green leaving, the dirt and the rocks, and the heavier particles at the top, which they will separate out. And that's what Satan wants to do to you. He wants to sift you to show you 
that you're not, can't possibly do the work of God. He wants to keep you from doing that. He wants to bring the impurities out in you. God just wants you to do what he tells you to do. I just read a morning devotional. I like Spurgeon's morning devotionals. I, I learn a lot from his morning devotionals and evening devotionals, but uh, they're just short, but I, I try to read as many as I can. And he said, a closer, a closer a person gets to God, the more unworthy they feel. If you feel worthy to come before God, then you're not close to God. But the closer you get to God, the more unworthy you will feel. But God will use you. So you got these two kingdoms. Which kingdom will you build? Will you build God's kingdom? Or will you build Satan's kingdom? Remember, the kingdoms of this world will all pass away. But I read in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, acting verse 17, But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Everything that Blaziel did for God will last forever. Just throw the, I like to throw this question out every once in a while. We know the Pharaoh at the time of Moses was the most powerful leader in the whole world. He was the Pharaoh, but that was his title. What was his name? Don't tell me Ramses because that's his title. What was his name? The most powerful figure in God's world at that time was Moses. Everyone knows Moses. What was Moses' brother's name? Aaron. Aaron. Let me quote that right out. What was his sister's name? Miriam. Miriam. I mean, we could go on and on. God takes care of his people. But you're going to build one kingdom or the other. That's your choice. And you will influence your family to do the same. Because you have more influence in your family than I do or anyone else. So you're going to influence not only which kingdom you choose to build, but you're going to influence your wife and your children which kingdom they're going to build. You need to think of these things if you want to understand this Belazio and then making the application to you. You see, we have a very brief period in which we live. And that's just Chapter 31, verse 32, it says, See, I have called by name Bezaliel. And Bezaliel comes and goes, and we never hear of him again in the Bible. 
and you will come and go and people will never hear of you again on this earth. And you're going to influence someone. You're going to influence lives of other people. You're going to either influence the other people, good or bad. I see in verse 6 of Exodus 31 here, and I behold, and I have given with him a Holiab, the son of a Hishamach, of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise hearted, I have put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. You see, we will stop here today pretty quick, but I see that it's going to take a wise heart for you to understand what God has called you to do with your family. You're going to influence someone. <clears throat> These two men, Zaleel and Holiab, were going to teach each other. And they lived in such a way that they could influence others for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, what a blessing it is to sit at the feet of men who love the Lord and his work. What an opportunity that you have. You know, there's a lot of men in the Quad Cities today. But I bet there's very few that are in church this morning. I bet there's very few that are going to sit at the feet of someone who loves the Lord and teach them. And I bet there's very few that's going to go back to their homes and teach their children to sit at the feet of the Lord and be taught of him. You have that opportunity. There's two great decisions that all men make in life. The first one is to make sure that you know Christ as your personal Savior. The opportunity to get saved, accept Christ as your Savior, or to reject him. Then the second is to those that accept him, you have another decision to make. Will you give your life to do his will? Now, I'm not asking you to give your life to be a preacher or a prophet. Or, I'm asking you, will you give your life to do his will, to raise your family in the way God tells you to raise them? To do the work of the church in the way that God tells you to do the work of the church. Ephesians 5.17 says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And God will put in the wise-hearted, and you'll know what the will of the Lord is in your life. Now I'm asking the Lord to reveal to the men of the church at this time to teach us, teach me, teach you, how to be wise-hearted enough and have the wisdom to know what his will is and that we understand our prominence inside our families. And if we can comprehend that and accomplish that in his will, you'll take your rightful place in this church and this church will become very powerful. Mm -hmm.